know what you're listening to. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Did you not get the memo? Insanity ensues. Can't wait. It's another Taco Tuesday edition of Snowman in the Morning. Good morning, everybody. I'm sorry, my wife had me laughing before we got started here this morning. Welcome to this edition, the latest and the greatest of Snowman in the Morning. Happy to have you with us. Lots to do today. I will tell you why Deshaun Watson is not a good fit for the San Francisco 49ers. I will also tell you, don't trust the Nets and don't trust Philadelphia. That'll be later on in the show. And I will welcome Joe Person to talk Panthers, Deshaun Tate to talk NBA, and Taylor Mathis will join me to give a woman's perspective on sports, and she knows her stuff. Jay Spivey will join me as well, and I'll have a little message for you at the end of the show. Let's get started, shall we? The pining for Deshaun Watson continues. And yes, I saw all the reports for those that are asking me, did you see where Deshaun named where he wanted to go? Yes, I saw that. And one of the teams that he named was my beloved San Francisco 49ers. As much as I would like to think that it would be a good fit, it would not be a good fit. And people are, I know people are looking at me, especially those on the Facebook feed, going, what? That would be an upgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo. Not so fast, my friend. Here's why. Reason number one, Deshaun Watson, though a terrific athlete and a fantastic football player and deserves to be in a place to win, does not fit in a, run, a chief running offense. Now, I understand he can bring his legs and the power of his legs, but I hate to make this comparison and people are going to get mad at me, but I don't care. I don't want Deshaun Watson to turn into Russell Wilson. Here's what I mean. Half one of the football season, Deshaun Watson is balling out. Half number two, they're depending on Deshaun Watson to make plays, especially running plays. I don't want that to happen, especially when you have a fully healthy running backfield, especially when there's a better offensive line, especially when there are receivers to throw to. You want your quarterback to be a quarterback. And yeah, it sounds like I'm taking a pot shot at some of the quarterbacks in the league that run more than they pass, but I have a reason for that. I'm old school. Let's move on. I'm sorry, but Deshaun Watson would not fit in a Kyle Shanahan type offense. Even though Kyle Shanahan had a rookie by the name of Robert Griffin III run his offense, and most of his run, most of his running during his rookie year, which was the best year of his career, fit the narrative, fit the situation. It wouldn't fit this situation because there are now actually receivers you can throw to. And aside of that, the 49ers already have their quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. Now everybody's gonna hit the brakes. And tell me Garoppolo is trash. Garoppolo is done. One of my buddies even said Garoppolo is done. No, he isn't. Injured, yes, but not done. The 49ers already have their quarterback of the future, and his name is Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on this. Until I see differently and until I see Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch pull the trigger on a quarterback move, 
Jimmy Garoppolo is starting in 2021. He's going to start all 16 games. He's going to lead them back to the playoffs. He's going to lead them back to the NFC West title. Now, I know all of this can change as we're only in February and we're not deep in the middle of July or August or things like that. I just happen to believe in the starting quarterback that my team has. If you saw anything in 2019, you saw a quarterback take his team to the precipice of the team's sixth Super Bowl. I know all the comparisons are going to come in, and I know every a lot of people, I want to say everybody, but that wouldn't be true. I don't deal in absolutes. I deal in reality. A lot of people are going to say, well, Jimmy Garoppolo was just a passenger along for the ride. Baloney. A passenger along for the ride in that dynamic San Francisco offense doesn't throw for almost 4,000 yards. They don't throw for 27 touchdowns. They don't complete 70% of their passes. They don't rank in the top five statistically in the NFL for most of the season. And oh, by the way, they don't tie for the most game-winning drives with four of them. Anybody remember... The game-winning drive against maybe Arizona. How about the Los Angeles Rams in San Francisco? Anybody remember that? Anybody remember the fourth, the third down that he completed to Ross Dwelly to seal the game on Halloween against the Cardinals? Anybody remember that? The 49ers this past season were littered with injuries, but I'm concentrating on the quarterback situation. I made my case and laid out my case why the best landing spot for Deshaun Watson would be Carolina. There's a possibility Vegas could come into play because of Hunter Renfro. Remember, they played they, they played with each other um, as teammates at Clemson. But it would not work in San Francisco because Deshaun Watson, and I hate saying this about him, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Deshaun Watson may be required to run a play where he hands off to the running back and he gets scared and he gets happy feet. And I know he's four years younger than Garoppolo. But I trust Garoppolo to throw for another 3,000 yards and take virtually every snap in the season, which he did in 2019. Once again, nothing against Deshaun Watson, okay? He wants out of Houston, set him free. He needs to be on a team that wants to compete for a championship, J.J. Watt included. And I already laid out my case for J.J. Watt being in the Bay, but I digress. But you know something? As much as people would like to think, as much as some fans would like to think Deshaun Watson would be an upgrade, I think Deshaun Watson would be a downgrade in San Francisco. And the first reason is and the reason that I laid out before is only the first one. Here's the second one. Deshaun Watson and his happy feet scare me. There have been times where he's had to run for his life. I don't want that in my quarterback. I want my quarterback to be able to direct the offense and run when only necessary. Are you listening, Lamar Jackson? Run when only necessary. And let me lay out the third reason. Deshaun Watson has had to make it up as he went along in Houston. 
Now you're coming to a structured running offense. Should they make the move for Deshaun Watson? My question in my brain is, will he be able to adapt? And I mean adapt quickly to the San Francisco 49ers offensive system. Because Kyle, um, Kyle Shanahan, I nearly said the wrong name. Kyle Shanahan wants to punish you with the running game. And then, just in case the running game is off, as was the case in New Orleans two years ago, he can pin it on his quarterback and say, go get me a win. And he will. Let me say that again. Just in case the running game has a day off, which I don't think will happen with everybody being healthy, and I really believe San Francisco is going to work on their offensive line this offseason to protect Jimmy Garoppolo. Just in case the running attack has an off game, you can pretty much tell that Shanahan will design plays for Garoppolo and scheme his receivers open, especially one named Jalen Hurd who's coming back to the offense. Has yet to play in two seasons because of a back injury. Man, listen, that 49er passing attack is going to be absolutely wicked. Their running attack is going to be even more wicked because they have a sinister mindset and they want to punish you. I know some of the afterthoughts are going, well, isn't that where Deshaun Watson may come in? Because he can run. Yeah, here's the point. And I made it earlier. Why are you going to set up a situation where it could turn into Russell Wilson for five years? Ball out first half of the year, second half of the year, depending on him to make too many plays. That's been the Seattle Seahawks problem when it comes to one Russell Wilson. The other thing that I have is this. If you're San Francisco and you handed Jimmy Garoppolo $73 million for five seasons after you saw him ball out and lead your team to five consecutive victories at the end of the 2017 season, why the hell are you going to scrap the plan just because of injuries and pressure from the outside and get another quarterback that's going to that's going to absolutely cost you more than $73 million? That's bad business. That's a bad move. That would be a horrible move if you give up on Garoppolo with only two years left on his contract. He's already directed you to one Super Bowl, okay? Yeah, he lost the opener against Arizona, but it seemed like he was getting his act together, and then he got injured. Then he rushed back, beat the Patriots 33-6, to and then he got injured again in Seattle. Now you're going to have a normal offseason with OTAs, time to heal, and you can expect Garoppolo to run this offense the way it needs to be run, and that's near the top of the league. So $73 million over five seasons, I'll take that bet over risking a lot of draft picks and a lot of current capital. To get Deshaun Watson into the Bay. Sorry, I'm not making that business move. I can't and won't make that business move. Unlike a lot of people, I trust my quarterback. I trusted him for five seasons. He's given me three. Two of those seasons have been littered with injuries, yes. Including an ACL, which I've said on this program is a two-year injury. Kevin Durant, hello. It's a two-year injury. 
So now he's still coming back from that. He's still coming back from an ankle injury, a high ankle sprain, which shelved him for the remainder of the season. Now we're into the offseason after a 6-10 and 10 year, and you everybody can just heal, okay? Wait till the spring when the league gives the okay to start OTAs because we're still in a pandemic here, folks. And then go. You just make sure you get the offensive lineman to protect your quarterback. You protect your quarterback, you're fine. Just ask Tom Brady. Early part of the season, he was getting obliterated. When it counted in the postseason, they kept him upright. I don't think Tom Brady had a dirty uniform in four weeks in the playoffs. Four weeks. And one of those four weeks, he couldn't get a dirty uniform because it was inside. He was at the Superdome. They didn't touch him in Green Bay. They didn't touch him in the Super Bowl in his home stadium. I'll take my chances with Jimmy Garoppolo. And once again, to outline the point that I made a few moments ago, why are you going to hand a quarterback that could be considered one of the top 10 in the league, $73 million over five seasons, just to scrap the plan three seasons in because of pressure from the outside and try it again with Deshaun Watson? Are you sure Deshaun Watson's going to be a good fit? Are you sure Deshaun, Deshaun Watson is going to run the offense and develop the trust? With his teammates that Garoppolo has, George Kittle and Kyle Shanahan both have already said, I expect Garoppolo to start for the 49ers in 2021. I'll take that bet over anything else. I'll take that chance over anything else. I'll take that chance even over a quarterback that led the league in passing last year, but wound up with a 4-11 record. Garoppolo doesn't have to throw 4,000 yards. But he's going to wind up throwing for 4,000 yards. And I'm willing to bet you. I am willing to bet you next season when the 49ers are in Los Angeles. And I don't mean just playing the Rams either. When they're in Los Angeles in February, they still won't give Garoppolo the respect that they give Watson. Watson has earned his respect. So has Jimmy G. And for all of those who said Jimmy G is trash, until I see different, my next two words are, watch this. That's me leading off. Coming up, Taylor Mathis will join me. And then some quick hits. This is Snowman in the Morning. When it comes to the Carolina Panthers... <laughs> What in the world do they need? Joe Person is now on the hotline to help me answer that question. Joe, how are you, my friend? What's going on? <laughs> All right, let's 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 talk Panthers. Where do we start? Well, we start with the quarterback position. Do they go all in on Deshaun Watson or do they look at the draft? Well, I think they're definitely uh going in on Deshaun first he is the uh he's kind of the uh the, the apple of uh of David Tepper's eye right now mm -hmm. and uh and and it won't be just the Panthers as you know who are, who are interested in Sean Watson They're oh yeah a lot of teams 
Texans are already having a lot of teams call them, and to this point, they're they're not listening yet. They've got a new head coach down there in Cully. They've got a new uh, GM and Nick Serio from the Patriots, and they're going to do everything they can to see if they can't change Deshaun Watson's mind. But if they can't, and this is headed for a breakup, I think you can expect the Panthers to come at this very aggressively and see if they can't get Deshaun Watson back to the Carolina. What would it take for the Panthers to land Deshaun Watson? So that's the uh, million-dollar question. I mean, <laughs> it'd take a lot. This, In fact, it would more than likely be an unprecedented draft uh, uh, trade haul that, that the Texans command. Uh, you know, you're kind of the barometer for years and years has been all those picks uh, that the Minnesota Vikings gave up for Herschel Walker. That, mm-hmm. that the Cowboys, that you, you you remember this? They turned oh, around yeah. and turned that into a championship. They, you know, decade. They, they turned it into in a di- they turned but, it into a dynasty, is what they did. <laughs> well, you know, the the NFL doesn't allow you to trade picks past like three years out mm-hmm. but, but you know i think it's a minimum of, of, of it's either like three first round picks plus a proven player for deshaun watson or some package of maybe two first round picks a couple lower round picks and a couple of players for deshaun watson so i don't you know the the problem with like i don't think anyone's untouchable necessarily for the panthers but the problem with trying to deal someone like Christian McCaffrey is you just paid him, so there'd be a big cap hit, uh, dead cap hit, you know, like seventeen million bucks that you'd be basically paying for Christian McCaffrey to go and play for the Houston Texans. Yeah, and whew, that would be that would actually be a haul and a half. And you just said it, Joe. You just paid him, so you're going to pay him and then ship him off. And I understand the moves they made to clear up cap space. And the question that I was going to follow up with on the moves they made in cap space and attempt to go after Deshaun Watson. From looking at it, I'd say yes. Yeah, I mean, some somewhat. Here's the thing. Watson, believe it or not, just because he just got paid and, and the way these contracts are structured, his his number for 2021, his cat number, is only $11 million bucks. Mm-hmm. Next year, 22 and 23, is when it balloons, it balloons up to like $40 million. Right. Panthers are in good shape for some of these future salary caps. They they do not have much money committed on those future caps. Uh, Marty Herney, before he left, was, was prudent about that. That was kind of part of the Panthers' plan that Scott Fitterer has inherited. Um, so, so in terms of this year, they did, you know, as you said, they, they did cut some guys, Trey Boston being among them last week. Trey's won't go through until the start of the league year, but I think a lot of that is more so, so they can, you know, kind of build some stuff around whoever's the next quarterback and, and beginning with Taylor Moten, their right tackle, mm-hmm. who I think uh, is a strong candidate for the uh, franchise. Test. Now, who is more important to the Panthers in signing them at least for 2021? Is it Taylor Moten or is it Curtis Samuel? Yeah, excuse me. Good question. 
I think just because of the fact that the Panthers have two uh, other receivers, both of whom had a thousand yards last year in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, excuse me. And the fact that they have four out of their five offensive linemen who are uh, pending free agents, that's got to be Moten. It doesn't mean they don't like Samuel. They do. They like his versatility. They like his speed, his playmaking. But I just think Moten is the bigger priority because of the position he plays. This guy has quietly become one of the best right tackles in football. He, uh, he, he First of all, he hadn't missed a game since becoming a starter three years ago. He's barely missed a snap. His like playtime percentage is like something ridiculous over the last three years, like ninety nine point five percent, which means like he left maybe two games for one snap apiece. Uh, and when he's been in there, he's been dominant. So that's been a big piece for the Panthers. Like I say, I, they'd like to get a long term deal done with him. If they can't, they they're they're absolutely prepared to use the franchise tag. Yeah, the franchise tag just may wind up being the way to go. Taylor Moten is very important to the Panthers right now on their offensive line. You would think, and I want your confirmation on this, you would think that the Panthers would go after fixing their offensive line as as plan 1A. Plan 1 is to find their franchise quarterback, but 1A has got to be the offensive line. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and, you know, left tackle has been a real a mess for the Panthers. I mean, going back to 2014, that, it, that was the first year after Jordan Gross retired. And you remember Gross locked that position down for mm-hmm. years and years. Mm-hmm. I mean, from from Byron Bell to Michael Orr. And in, in the Panthers' defense, they thought they had the answer with Michael Orr. He played yes. so well the Super Bowl year, and mm-hmm. then he had the concussions in 2016 that, that ended his career. Matt Khalil was next in right. his injuries with his leg. And so I agree with you. I mean, you, the problem is if you are set on going out and getting Deshaun Watson – or somebody like that, you know, whether it's Russell Wilson next year or, you know, if the Wilson thing keeps continues to kind of go down the road, it seems to be heading. The problem is you only have so much money to, to go around that. So right. you've got to be creative with it. Uh, they're going to spend it on Moten. And then, you know, I hate to say it, but Russell Okun, who was hurt all pretty much all last season, he might be a, a, a possibility again as like a stopgap yeah. free agent if he'll come back at a cheap price. Mm-hmm. And that's a big if. Joe Person from The Athletic joining me here on the program, talking all things Carolina Panthers and what they have to do. How do the Panthers lean when it comes to the draft? The first pick that they're picking at eight, where do they go? Do they go find a quarterback? Do they go find a um piece of the offensive line do they go defense which way do the panthers lean in the draft with their first round pick or do they trade out of it well a lot depends on what happens with watson right like if houston you know because that and that's going to go all the way up to about the week of the draft like houston like i say they're trying to hold on to deshaun but if they can't and they and it's heading toward a divorce they maximize the value for him by waiting as long as they can, right up to that week of the draft. So 
you know, it's hard to say who the Panthers would target. Yeah, I, I think if, if, if they do not get Deshaun, then I think you could see a possibility where they would, you know, try to trade up. Uh, I know a lot of teams, you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, but, but a lot of teams like Zach Wilson. I think the Panthers like Zach Wilson. Uh, but the Jet, heck, he may not get past the Jets at two. And so, you know, so does that put you in the Justin Fields mix or Trey Lance, who I, you know, I think you could probably stay put and have a shot at getting Lance at eight just because he's such a weird evaluation, mm-hmm. having only played really one full season for North Dakota State. Uh, it's interesting. If it's not a quarterback, I like the I like the Sewell offensive tackle from Oregon. Yeah, if he's there at eight, um, but it, it really is hard to know what direction they may go until you see how the chips fall with the quarterback position. Joe Person joining me here from the Athletic here on Snowman in the Morning. Let's go around the quarterback carousel to to wrap this up. The on the the Texans are not the only team that are headed toward a divorce from their quarterback another team that's interesting and could play a role in this deshaun watson sweepstakes are the chicago bears they're heading for a divorce with mitch trubisky if you were to put a package to get if you if you were to put a package together and find a way to work a trade from both of those teams if it's possible how would that play out you talking about like a three-way trade? Yeah, a three-way trade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's possible. Uh, the problem is Trubisky is is a free agent, so it would have to be like a sign and trade kind of thing with Chicago, right? I I don't think I don't think a three-way trade is out of the out of the equation here. I mean, I you know there's been some talk that that out. Uh, Vegas with Derek Carr that the Raiders might be interested in trying to you know get in the quarterback carousel as a three-way deal um, how that would work with Trubisky I'm not sure just because it's a little trickier with him mm-hmm. be about to become a, about to become a free agent I, clearly the Bears are looking to upgrade from him and Nick Foles yeah you know the interesting thing is what you know you got Ron Rivera up in Washington you know, I think they're a player for a quarterback. So, yeah. like, all these – there are all these kind of pieces, you know, with Carolina ties to it from Trubisky to Rivera and Marty Herney, of course, in Washington now, that could affect, as you're saying, what, you know, kind of how the how the, how the musical chairs at quarterback <laughs> uh, winds up. But it's been a – listen, man, it's, it's hard to believe, like – there's already been three quarterbacks traded. And mm-hmm. Like you never, we never see that by by this stage. In not, the this early, I mean, not this early. Not this early in the off season. March. Not not right after the Super Bowl. Not this early in the off season. We don't see that. No. So buckle up, man. It's, it's there's more to come. Oh, I know it is. I I, I know it is. I opened the show talking Jimmy Garoppolo and a lot of. Fake 49er fans who think they know football want to see him leave. That would I I want your thought on this, and we'll close here. If they let Jimmy Garoppolo go, I believe that would be a mistake. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, listen, I know he's been injured, and, and, you know, he hadn't played a lot the last couple of years because of those injuries. But 
I don't. I I I tend to uh, I tend to believe in in Bill Belichick and and at the time Nick Cesario's you know their their view of the quarterback position, and uh, they liked they saw something in Jimmy Garoppolo uh, from a timing standpoint. Obviously, it didn't work out. Or Brady stuck around longer. My point being is he's a talented guy. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I I think he would be an upgrade over a lot of team, a lot of teams' quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, and the National Football League. When you you know you know other than maybe maybe seven to ten. Yeah, but I, I you know I wouldn't put Garoppolo necessarily in the top ten, but I'd probably put him like in the top twelve. <laughs> yeah, like he's right there. Yeah, and so I, I I agree with you. It, it would be a mistake. Like I said, this is what I opened the show with. It would be a mistake if they if they let him go because you're talking about a quarterback that did what all quarterbacks in the NFL are trying to do, which is get their team to and win a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I agree with you. I mean, I, if healthy, uh, as I said, I think I think he is a solid quarterback, and and it's hard to argue with the fact. I mean, Belichick can. You know they pick they can pick some winners up there and, mm-hmm. and they they like Jimmy they just they just ran out of time with him yeah they did they did Joe Person from the Athletic joining me here on the program talking quarterback carousel and Panthers knees as we are into the off season and hang on folks this is going to be a wild crazy bumpy ride thank you Joe appreciate the time my friend all right snowman appreciate you man it's going to be a wild ride. A wild ride in free agency. Back after this. The Blue Bloods are fighting back. They're saying, hey, don't count us out yet. Here's Jay Spivey to join me to talk that and... A little bit of what I touched on in a separate blog, The Death of College Basketball. Jay, what's going on, my man? Good morning. How you doing, Brian? Always good to talk to you. Always good to talk to you, man. The Blue Bloods are fighting back. I guess they heard us talking about them and kicking them out of the tournament before the tournament even gets here. It sure does look like it does. <laughs> I mean, the last couple of weeks, the last couple of weeks, Carolina's been, if not the best team, Certainly, one of the best teams in the conference, and they're they're going around the conference just like they normally do, and it's as if it's a normal year for them right now. And Duke is ever since Jalen Johnson decided to pack his bags, he, it's like a addition by subtraction for them. They're a much better team without him. Let's let's hit the, let's go there for a moment. I said on this show that Jalen Johnson flat out quit. Your thoughts on that? Uh, you, I would say you and I are probably old school and saying that's probably true, but a lot of these kids now, they don't see it that way. They always think about the NBA, and that's all they think about. And whether that we agree with that or not, it's probably their But I have a feeling she should be probably shutting the door or whatever. They made that had that discussion and said, if you want to leave, go right ahead. It's obvious that Shishetsky wasn't happy with him the last couple of weeks he was there anyway. Mm-hmm. He hardly ever played. He hardly played, and I think he just got frustrated and said, enough, enough, I'm going to get ready for the NBA. Well, if the NBA wants him, they can have him. Yeah, because I've seen 
flashes of brilliance with Jalen Johnson, but I haven't seen the whole package. Now, my contention is with Jalen Johnson, a team's going to take a flyer on him. They're going to pick him in a high round, or they're going to use a high pick on him, I should say. But they're going to see, they're going to see raw talent. They're not going to see the entire package. And being at Duke, being under uh, Coach K, this could be. And I know I'm going to anger some people when I say this, but I don't care. I've got to say it honestly. This could be another Kyrie Irving situation. I was thinking the same thing. You're 100 percent right. The, 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 the parallels between the two of them are very similar. Why do why do kids think that when they play a few games, they can quit on their team? And yeah, I'm going there with this one, that they can quit on their team and leave and think they're going to get drafted, which, they, which usually happens. Again, I reference Kyrie Irving, who only played 11 games at Duke University due, uh, due to an injury. But it, it just gets in their mind too soon. To my to my liking, that they're ready and they're not. They're not. None of these kids are ready. I mean, you know, with a, I mean, about the only kid who was truly ready was LeBron James. And mm-hmm. that's about it. In terms of these these guys that are one and done, or you know, before for that end, and LeBron was before one and done. But right, you know, he was he was the only one who was truly ready for the NBA. Mm-hmm. These guys, they're not ready, and they'll flounder around the league for a couple of years before they get good, but. Yeah, and these these NBA guys are willing, like you tested, to take a flyer on these guys, and, mm-hmm. you know, hope, just hope for the best for them. And, and it's obvious that uh, this guy has no, he didn't care one 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 whit about playing at Duke for any particular no. time. He no. didn't care about his teammates, and he's had this he's had this reputation ever since he was a, you know played throughout high school. And, Apparently, he played for a number of high schools and a number of high school coaches. I'm sure they all showed him the door, too. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not surprised I mean, that he was shown the I, door. I don't get these kids. I don't get these kids that are 17, 18, 19, or even younger. These kids, these days nowadays, you know, that think they can run whatever operation they're part of. Yeah. No, it's the coach or whomever else that runs the operation, not you. Mm-hmm. And, and the kids are trying to and take. But no, no. If you don't want to be a part of this, then leave. Yep. He packed up his locker and he and he left. So and, and like you said, Duke has been playing a whale of a lot better without him, which speaks A to Jalen Johnson and his attitude, and B to Coach K and the Blue Devil saying, now that we got that out of the way, we can actually play basketball. Exactly. And the rest of the guys the rest of the guys on the team Oh, they probably didn't voice that per se. They they were sick and tired of his actions, but they're obviously showing out on the court box. And they just blew out Wake Forest on Wednesday. He had not really been blown out blown out all year until that point. And then Saturday night they go and then they beat Virginia. Mm-hmm. They upset Virginia. They upset the top team in the conference. And I have never seen Duke play more together than they did Saturday night when they played at Virginia. And like you said, I mean, we wrote them off, and they're still they still have a tough hill to climb. I mean, they, it's going to take a lot for them to get in the NCAA tournament. But you know, on a given day, they're just as good as anybody else right now. I mean, there's not a great team this year, even though even though Gonzaga and Baylor are clearly the two best teams, they're not unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. They're done. 
the best team that I've seen, and I, I've seen Gonzaga, I've seen Baylor, I'm, I'm hopping around the country here. I've seen Gonzaga, I've seen Baylor, and yeah, they're the two best teams in the country. But in terms, and I know I'm going to be a little biased here, but in terms of being the scariest team in the country that could make a deep run, that team for me would have to be Illinois. I mean, they're they're in by far the best conference in college basketball, and you know they're right there with Ohio State, Michigan as being one the the best teams in that conference. And they could easily make a run and be a national champion here in the next month or so. Yeah, I mean this is this is 1989 plus a bit of 2005 all over again for Illinois. Who would they have to go through to get to the Big Ten championship game? Michigan and Ohio State. Who's in the way now with Illinois possibly locking down a two or a three seed in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship? Michigan one, Ohio State two. Although Ohio State could drop and Illinois could move up to that two seed considering Michigan beat Ohio State on their territory. This could be 89 all over again when Michigan and Illinois played not once, not twice, but three times. Oh, I'd say that's definitely. I mean, one of the one of the three teams is going to go through the other three twice. I mean, yep. then hey, you like, like it gets very well be where Illinois plays Ohio State in the semifinals and, and Michigan in the final, it, and it could be or or any of those teams match up with each other. Right. It's just, I mean, that conference is so deep that they're going to have to play each other in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to play each other, and it's going to be uh, they play each other at least twice, and. The Big Ten has put up more games and have very few postponements. Very, very few. And I'll say it again, and nothing against the ACC, and we know it's a down year, even though the Blue Blood, Duke, and North Carolina are making a comeback. But if you want to talk about a scary team in the top five, in the country, in the top five, that could use their entire team, backcourt and frontcourt, and frighten the daylights out of Gonzaga and Baylor, it is the Fighting Illini of Illinois. They are playing fantastic right now. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. And you, you mentioned North Carolina. I mean, they've had to add a couple non-conference games the last couple weeks. I mean, they're playing Marquette this week. They had mm-hmm. the Virginia Tech game on Tuesday night. Tuesday night was supposed to play. They're looking for games in the tournament. I don't think they're I think they're pretty safe in the tournament anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean good for them to actually practice for other games when they could just sit there and practice Not at this point in the season, no. Let's talk North Carolina hoops. They smacked Louisville Saturday night ninety nine to fifty four. I knew they would be good against Louisville. Louisville played for the first time in 19 days due to COVID restrictions. But damn, you want to talk about a team that needed to prove a point? It was North Carolina. Yeah, but I mean, pretty much the last two or three weeks, and maybe right before the Duke game or during the Duke game a couple weeks ago, is when they started clicking. And they really haven't looked back since then. I mean, right now, Virginia's lost their last two games after being after winning seven in a row, I believe it was. And right now, you can make the argument that Carolina's the best team in the ACC. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, a really down year for the conference. Yeah, in a, in a really down year, North Carolina rising to the top. 
um, 14 and 7, 14 and 7 right now, you can also make an argument that should they get enough games in, it could be another 20 win season for Roy Williams and North Carolina. And aside of Virginia, Virginia and North Carolina, you can make the argument should things pan out the way that they pan out, they'll be the only 20 win teams in the conference. No, that, yeah, because of the shortest games this year. I mean, they were going to have a max of 23 or 34 games. Anyway, anyway I and mean, some of these teams have been, like, Carolina's had so many games lost because of COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Jimmy's lost a couple, and the whole conference has lost a couple games at least. So, yeah. yeah it, it's hard to make up those games along the way. And, and in order to do that, you got to you got to win pretty much all your games in the regular season and then the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. Always, always for a few teams this year. That's going to happen. Absolutely. Jay Spivey joining me here on the program talking ACC hoops. Who's in? Who's out? We both agree Carolina is in. It's going to be a mountain to climb for Duke. North Carolina State has fallen off. Let's, start, let's, let's hit the brakes right there for a couple of moments. Why has North Carolina State fallen off? when they were such a dark horse to win the ACC, as you and I talked about at the top of the season? Uh, Talent-wise, and they're okay, they're not great. And for whatever reason, they're one of those teams that once they had the COVID button stopped, per se, they just haven't been able to turn it back on again. And a lot of teams have had that issue all season. Like, Clemson had that same issue, and they really haven't – I mean, Clemson had such a early part, of, such a good early part of the season. They haven't been able to turn it back on. I think I think NC State's sort of in that same boat right now. They just cannot turn it back on. And that's and, and that's bad. That's abs- That's absolutely bad. Hate seeing that, but it's the risk that they took when they decide when teams decided to put on a season here in this pandemic. Jay Spivey joining me here on the program via the Beamer Tire and Auto Hotline. Three locations to serve you in the triad. Greensboro, High Point, and Winston-Salem. Try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Man, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Jay. And I'm going to get Jay onto Snowman Unfiltered, and we will have a full-on discussion about college basketball. So y'all watch for that. That's going to be right before the tournament when I drop that episode. Would love to have you for that, my man. Always a pleasure talking to you. I am definitely in on that. Whenever you're ready for it, I'm definitely in on it. And thank you very much for having me on. And Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again soon. We'll do it again next week. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Bye. I, I'm telling y'all, I have something special to talk about with college basketball and how many changes have made have been made not for the best of college basketball. I'm saving that for Snowman Unfiltered. One more thing to do before I get out of here, and this is not it, but I do have to take a break. I'll wrap it up after this on Snowman in the Morning. <laughs> 